Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. Each Money Making Conversation talk show is about entrepreneurship and entertainment. I do provide the consumer and business owner access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. I like to tell everybody the Money Making Conversation interviews provide relatable information to the listener about career and financial planning, entrepreneurship, motivation, leadership, overcoming the odds, and how to live a balanced life. My next guest is a very, very popular film and television actress. You've seen her in movies like Think Like a Man, Think Like a Man 2, The Intruder, and Shazam. Up next, she will star in Sony's Monster Hunter, which uh, will be released hopefully this year. I know we're in the pandemic year, so everything's kind of odd, but this movie, uh, Monster Hunter, is, uh, everybody's waiting to see that movie that she's starring in. She was recently seen on OWN's new series, uh, Girlfriends Check-In. I checked it out myself. <laughs> she wrote a game-changing relationship book with her husband entitled The Wait, a powerful practice for finding the love of your life and the life you love, which I love that title. She's a philanthropist, started the great the Greater Good Foundation with her sister and an entrepreneur with good girl raps by making good. They're a multifunc- multifunctional hair accessory that can be worn when you are out and about, work out, or bedtime. Look, I am going to buy that for my daughter. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Megan Good. <laughs> Hi! <laughs> uh, I, I, it's so funny, Megan. I saw the uh, the raps, right? And so, because I always, I said, I, I, my daughter was upstairs. I said, I said, her name's Christiana. I said, Christiana, get down here. I got to show you something. I got to show you something. She said, well, <laughs> you know, she's 22. Senior in college. I said, I think I finally found something because she comes down here with these these things on her hair, Megan. I be like, I just be staring at her, going, "This is not. Uh, we do have money, baby. We do have a little money. <laughs> you can do better than that." And so I, I showed her this, and she said, uh, "Dad, these." Just, she picked out like three different options that we're gonna buy. Just, just tell us about the whole concept. I'm just letting you know, as a man, I saw it. Dad, I saw it. I fell in love with my daughter. Picked out three of them, and I think they're just beautiful. You can, you can, you know, when she go to the store, she can wear them. When she goes to the gym, she can work out in them. She can, thank God, she can go to sleep and wake up, and I'm not as terrified when she comes into the kitchen. <laughs> with, I don't know what she got on her head, Megan, but at least when she comes into the kitchen now with your your hat, your hair wrap, I'll be excited and thankful that she's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, amen. amen. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, I've got to tell you the truth now. I've been struggling with the head wraps this year. I don't know, you know. We, like I said, we had a little success making in our life, but the good girl raps that you have produced are my favorites now. Okay. Oh yay! <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like super excited to create them because you know, um, so one of my stylists, um, I have two, Maisha Oliver and uh-huh. Dr. Carey, and we created the goddess locks, the dreadlocks right. look together. Um, and so what happened was I was wearing the style so much and I was going to the gym, gym and trying to work out. And every time I did, my hair was flipping my face and then I'd be trying to wash my face and I couldn't sleep comfortably. And it was just like mm-hmm. a whole thing. And so we developed this wrap and it literally was like a lifesaver. And then the more I would wear it in workout videos, people would ask like, well, where did you get that? And what is that? And I was like, you know what? I just need to create align and make them available and also just make it so people can choose like different styles and 
what better fits like, you know, however right. they want want it to be. So that's really how it came about. And uh, and it did really, really well. We The first day we sold out on the first uh, <laughs> yes. run collection. And Congratulations. Now we're on the second collection. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And mm-hmm. so uh, we're getting ready to start the third collection now. And the cool thing is like, you know, I, I'm able to see people's input like, oh, I would really love to see more of this kind of color, right. or that kind of color, right. or mm-hmm. more prints or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the cool thing is like every collection, I really take people's input into account and try to create something that all women feel good and comfortable with. And even some men are able to wear them as well. So it's very well, I cool. saw the, I saw some photos, you know, and of course, you know, if you have dreadlocks and things like that, and, you know, they definitely will be perfect for that. And I thought that was just, I, all I know is that, that when I saw it, I immediately liked it and I felt this was a natural comfortable look it could be jazzy you can wear them out you know to a restaurant you can yeah. wear them, you know you can wear them out to a, if you depending on the look that you buy or want to feel aware you can go out to a party with them wearing it so i really felt comfortable with the look and i just wanted i was excited about you coming on my show to discuss it and because as an entrepreneur you know we all have great ideas and so how you know you talked about the journey about it you know, because it was just your idea. What made it real, though? What made it like, okay, we let's do this? Because a lot of people stop at the idea because they don't think nobody's going to buy it or nobody's going to even want to show them how to produce it. Right. I mean, I was already working um, with another company. I, I was creating a line of flannels because, you know, I'm I'm an 80s baby. So in the 90s, right. you know, I was kind of, <laughs> yes, a teenager yes, and, yes. and flannels was always like a staple part of your outfit. So I was already creating a flannel line with my sister and mm-hmm. I where mm-hmm. the money that we were um, raising through the flannel line was going to our foundation. Right. And so I already had the relationship. And what I realized is, you know, once I was wearing my wrap, if people just kept asking for right. like, a year the, the question never stopped and people were always interested so i was like all right it's been a consistent thing people are into it mm-hmm. i think they'll buy it let's just you know give it a run and, and we'll see what happens and um and people really took to it really well so i was like okay well let's you know create even more and so it's it's been it's been really great because i know as a woman right. rather you have dreads twists braids, big curly hair that you don't want to wash right. and style mm-hmm. every day or whatever it is like i know for a fact that this is a product that I would use and I wish I had had earlier. And that made me feel confident that somebody's going to get some great use out of this. So congratulations again. Uh, you know, when I look Thanks. at your, when I look at your career, like um, when I was managing Steve Harvey, when we started together back in 2000, the first time I really got to see you and introduce myself to you was the movie you got served. And um, wow, yeah. that's way, you know, it's way back then, way back then. Just to talk about your your body of work, because you began starring in commercial at the age of four. And I've done over 60,000, 60, excuse me, 60 national TV commercial in an untold number of films and television shows. I just only mentioned yeah. a small amount of your success. In fact, I didn't even mention any of the television series that you've starred in, very successful on. So how, uh, what has helped you to make that transition from a child? child star to an adult star because that's a hard make sometimes because you're so cutesy cutesy and when you become an adult people don't buy the cutesy cutesy or you don't mature correctly or you don't have the support system what has helped you megan um i think you know the first thing was like prayer you know when i was 19 i was i was struggling i still looked 15 16 and i and it was the first time in my life where i was like okay i'm seeing people around me getting work and i'm not getting work Mm -hmm. so the first time i prayed i was like all right god is this what i'm supposed to be doing and Mm -hmm. and 
here's the thing. I'm going to just put it on the altar and say, I want what you want for me more than what I think I want for myself. Say that one more and time now. This is like in church now. Say that one more time. Come on now. <laughs> I, I want what you want for me more than what I think I want for myself. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the first time I had gotten confirmation that this is the business that I should be in, but mm-hmm. that it's, it's bigger than, than, you know, being able to do something that I love and I'm passionate about. It's bigger than being in an industry where people consider you celebrity, whatever it is, it's bigger than all that. It's really about using the platform that God is giving you as an ability to, as an opportunity to build the king kingdom and to really be used in whatever way he wants to use me. So once I got that confirmation, that gave me the confidence to know that like, okay, so I'm going to be okay. Cause this is bigger than me anyways. And, and I just kept trucking along and, and trying to make smart decisions. Right. Um, and, and, you know, show however I could like, okay, I'm becoming a woman now and try to walk that, that balance. Cause you know, at that time there was all, all the men's magazines and I, I did a bunch of them, but I made I it a conscious mm-hmm. effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I did it, it was like, okay, so no baby, but that's, that's, no in, a, that's, that's in a message no that we're, when you did them, we're talking about like the King magazines and all those type of magazines mm-hmm. and we yep. but they sent a bad message or the incorrect message of who you or what your brand or who you represented. Don't you think? No, I don't, because I think at that time, that is who I was and okay. what I represented, okay, good. you know, mm-hmm. and I, mm-hmm. my thing is, like, I've, you know, I've, I've I've come under fire a lot about saying, like, as a Christian, I don't mind being sexy, okay. and I own that part of myself, I love that part of myself, Okay. Um, and what I realized, you know, my, my journey has been unique to, you know, I didn't grow up in the church, but my mother was always, read your Bible, get to know God, have a relationship, not a religion with Him. And so as I pursued a relationship with God, I got saved when I was 12. I got rebaptized when I was 19 on my own. So at that time, when I was doing the King magazines, the Black Man or whatever it was, and I was 21, 22, 23, right. mm-hmm. my feeling was like, I'm going to own who I am and right. be comfortable with who I am. But right. what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into a place that some would consider dark right. and I'm going to spread light. So if you look at each one of those interviews, not only did I not wear, you know, lingerie or bathing suits or do any back shots or anything that was too suggestive that I didn't feel comfortable in my spirit about, mm-hmm. but I also, every single interview, I talked about God. I talked about my relationship with God. I talked about being a Christian. Mm-hmm. I talked about there's a, there's a way to still be comfortable with your sexuality without overtly, you know, doing things that are really about look at me, look at me versus I love me. I embrace me. And so for me, it was, it was, uh, walking a line of like what feels right in my spirit that I'm not lying to myself. I'm being honest, like whatever God places in my spirit, I'm owning that, but I'm also not conforming to what people say a Christian should be mm-hmm. because I know my heart and, and I know who I am at the core and God knows me and we talk. So at the end of the day, I can do religious and I can do what people think I should do and who they think I should be, right. or I can own who I am in every season and allow me and allow him to guide me. And so that's what I did. And so I think my, my journey has definitely been an interesting one, but I've always been in tune with God through all of it. Um, that's beautiful. Even that's beautiful. And I'm, I'm glad you're saying it. That's why I'm kind of like being quiet, letting you say your, your, your conversation because people need to hear without interruption, the message you're trying to deliver. And that's important because of the fact that, you know, we, 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 we have a uh, preconceived notions of who people are, just how they look or just how they dress. Right. And that's what you're saying. Yeah. Rashawn. Okay. I, I, I embrace who I am, but that doesn't mean I can't embrace my love of God or the respect that I right. have for him. And if right. you want to read something differently, but, but while you're looking at that photo, read the article. How about that? 
Right. <laughs> Read right. the story. Open the book. Okay. And, and, and go through the, go go through the messages that I'm trying to tell the consistent values I'm trying to say. And I think for young people that that's important because especially with social media today, we can get caught up in likes and get caught up in in trying to we gotta look a certain way and pose a certain way in order to grow our fan base. And you're saying that mm-hmm. honesty, honesty with yourself is the key to that. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, transparency. What people are gonna respond to mm-hmm. is you not trying to be anybody else but being yourself. The honest people who are gonna like you, dig you, that are gonna be your tribe and support you are gonna support the truest version of you. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I'm comfortable with knowing that at ten years old I was doing off Broadway shows with drag queens. Right. And I'm still a Christian. So awesome. the way I see the world, the way I perceive drag queens, the way I perceive a lot of things may be different than some other Christians, but I know that God allowed me to have that experience and mm-hmm. the mindset that I have when we talk about what's appropriate or what's modest. Well, my different, uh, my version of modest is going to be different than yours based on my upbringing. So as long as I own that and I, I lean into like, God, what do you say as it pertains to me? That's the only thing I have to do. And, and I try to encourage other people, especially young people, to do that as well, because they think that if you don't fit into a certain box, you can't. You have to choose to do that box and having a relationship with God or not having a relationship with Megan, God. Megan, do you have a podcast? Because do you have a podcast? No. I'm going to tell you something, girl. You, you, I'm telling you something. You know, I like to believe I recognize talent. Okay. You got, the, you got the acting down, Pat. But your motivational skill and your own point about what young people need to hear and old people need to hear, people in general, male and female, everybody, because your your conversation is welcoming to everybody. And if you have thought about doing a podcast, start, if you haven't thought, because I feel that your message and then, you know, it, it needs to be heard. If you just, just think about it. Like you said, you, if you never, I'm pretty sure you've heard this before, just like the raps, you know, people kept telling you, girl, I need that. I need that. I need that. Well, Rashawn <laughs> McDonald's coming along going, you know something? Um, excuse me. You need to be worldwide on your own platform where your message won't be interrupted and you can share and get other like-minded people who look like you or don't look like you and and be able to you know it's this is about love your message is about love i it is so clean when i hear you talk megan i it's amazing it it is like it's like drinking a, a, a good cold glass of water on a hot sunny day Oh, it feels good. Oh, it feels good, don't it? Oh my God, you go. Ooh, I feel good. And that's when I hear you talk. It's so clean. There's no stuttering. There's no. There's no pause about no revelation. Of, well, let me think about it. It's just like when I said. Well, do you think that was against your brand? No, I, no, it was not. You, you did not like. You didn't like hesitate, Rashawn. I know who I am. And that is important when people get caught up, get caught up in the cyberbullying, get caught up in, should I look this way? Should I dress this way? And you're saying God defines you, believe in him, believe in yourself, and don't, don't, as they say, um, veer left or right. And that's what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's exactly what I'm saying. Cool. I think it's important that we, that we have a relationship with God where we hear from him for ourselves. I want to be in a position where if someone comes up to me and they say, I have a word from God, I can say, yes, I received that. My spirit agrees. I know you don't. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel your spirit. That's for me is not from God. And to have that type of confidence, I feel like that's how in tune with oh, God we have to be. Awesome. And when you're in that, when you're that in tune, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that some people are not going to understand you because they're coming from a different place. You know, I'm telling you, when you're talking out there, when you, I'm sure you do public speaking. Are oh, they passing the plate? They gotta be good. Girl! 
Preach. Well, this is for free. Preach. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. I, I, I want to get to the book, The Weight. Uh, I, I read the book. I want to ask a couple of questions. That's some favorite lines I want to run by. But I got to talk about Shazam. Okay. When, um, you made an appearance in that. But it's one of my favorite movies. In fact, I, the, when you when you finally make an appearance in the other adult versions of the kids making an appearance, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. But one of my, yeah. one, one of my most endearing parts is how you were able to be an adult but you maintain that childlike quality in your acting performance uh that was i mean i i smile every time i see it and i go wow you know you, you know you know people are talented but certain things that you can show goes that's an extra gear of talent that she has yeah. talk about that whole what i'm talking about and shazam is a very popular superhero you know he says shazam's a little 15 year old boy and he becomes this adult superhero care character well along the way you know these kids are at this uh foster home and and you played your your childlike character was a, a, one of the kids and you eventually in the in the movie at the end says Shazam and you became an adult version of your childlike right. character, but you still had those <laughs> childlike characters characteristics. Yeah. Talk talk to us about that. Maintaining that little um, reaching inside and hold, holding on to that little baby Megan. <laughs> well, ba baby Megan is always in there, you know? Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, it, 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 it might come as more of a shock to people just because, you know, again, like through my twenties, I was kind of like that sexy girl. So mm -hmm. people don't realize oftentimes that there there's there are a lot of different gears and that you know sometimes like for me through my 20s that was kind of one gear was like yeah that's the side of me you know but right. there's so much more and so the cool thing about shazam was like i had started my i had started my workout journey like maybe barely two years before that because i told devon i said babe i really want to be a superhero like i want to do like dc or marvel and he was like that's great honey what are you doing to meet god halfway and I said, what? And my, mind you, I had my glass of wine in my hand. I'm watching my scandal or something. And he said, what are you going to be halfway? Right. And I was like, wow, you're right. Faith without works is dead. Okay, mm -hmm. got it. Mm -hmm. So I took my little self to the gym. I got a trainer. I changed my eating habits. Mm -hmm. I cut back on my wine. I started working out like five times a week for about a year and a half. And then I got this audition for Shazam. I didn't even know what it was. Right. Um, I had no idea it was a superhero movie. I was just going in there and being a seven-year-old. And then I get the call that I got the part. And I was like, so what is it? They're like, Shazam. I was like, oh, Kazam. With like Shaq back in the day. They're like, no, Shazam. And when I looked it up, I was like, wait, what? This, this is a DC superhero movie? And I like... I kid you not, I bust out crying. I was like in the middle of a strip mall. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Like I was like <laughs> full on crying outside of like a nutrition store. Like ran and told like the lady behind the counter. I was like, I just got a DC movie. And she's like, oh, okay. I mean, it's like, and it was crazy because it was the perfect thing for me because, you know, this type of superhero where, where we actually are children, that right. hasn't been done yet. And it's a, it's a very fresh take and it's something that, I can do. I've been doing little kid voices like my whole life. Right. People just don't always do that side of me. So it was like the perfect, perfect superhero for me and perfect kind of blessing from God. And, and also a testimony, a testament to like meeting God halfway and him saying, okay, here you go. Do the work and I, and I provide the way. And that uh, the opportunity, yeah. and you people, you be ready for the opportunity. You know, I'm gonna just tell you that I I've seen Shazam at least six times. I'm just a guy. I've seen that ending probably about ten times because it's just so cute. And when you and all the characters recognize, they go to adulthood. And when you, but somehow it it, it works so perfectly for you. 
you you got it now, Pat. Congratulations. I, I just want to just tell you Thank that. Thank you. Just congratulate. It's, it, 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 it's, it's believable. It's very cute. It makes me smile. Even when I'm talking to you about it right now, I'm smiling because it's just one of my favorite parts of the movie. And I can't wait to Sazam too because I know that character is going to be fleshed out a little bit more. And we'll see it a lot earlier than the movie instead of the end of the movie. And I don't feel I'm giving away the movie if anybody has not seen it. Maybe you'll watch it now because when you get to that part of the movie, you'll be smiling just like Rashawn McDonald. Donald. I, I want to make a trans- <laughs> I want to make a transition to to uh, you and your husband uh, on the cover of the yeah. book, The Weight. First of all, compliments 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 to both of you guys. Very attractive couple. Y'all look fantastic. Thank you. It's called The Weight, a powerful practice for finding the love of your life and the life you love. Mm, Why yeah. did you write this book with him? Um, it's interesting because the short version is. You know, when Devon and I got together, um, I just came out of a, a, a kind of a, a, a verbally abusive relationship. And it wasn't just the other person. It was both of us. We were not right. good for each other. But right. um, I literally said, Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? And he told me three things. He said, get out of that relationship. I need you to be celibate. And Devon is your husband. Mm. And I said, Devon, Devon. I was like, wait. And I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And God was just like, nothing. Just work on yourself. So from that point forward, I worked on becoming celibate. I wasn't, you know, successful immediately, but ultimately I was. And about um, a few months into it, about five months into getting that revelation, I told a friend of mine that Devon was my husband. And she said, oh, girl, she said, you, you know, he's a preacher, right? I said, no. And I said, well, I, 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 that would have scared me away. But I know what God told me, so it's okay. And I said, and I said, and you know, um, she said, you know that he's celibate, right? And I said, well, I'm celibate too. She said, no, girl, he's for real celibate. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? Wait, even for real, for real? For real, for real. Yes. So because he was preaching, he had been celibate for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, yeah, you and your, your few months, girl. Yeah, whatever. You know, but anyways. And so, um when Devon and I got together, it was like, you know, it was, we were celibate for that, for our, our year together before we got married. Right. And it was the best experience of my life because I got to know him right. the way that it, it, like, I got to know him in like four months, the way it took me to get to know someone in four years. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's because there was no, there was intimacy in terms of like emotion and spiritually, mm-hmm. but there was no physical intimacy in that way. So really all I had to do was decide do I like you as a human being? Right. Do I enjoy being with you? Do I want to spend a lifetime with you? Are you are you about the same things in life? Are we going to the same place? Do we complement each other in their purpose? So all that stuff was so clear because there was no distractions that the reason we ended up writing the book is because people kept asking us about it. Right. And I, you know, would tell them the story, whatever. And they were like, we really would love to have a book about this. So me and Devon were like, I guess we'll just, we'll write a book, not to be preachy, not to tell people what to do, but to tell them what our experience was and to just to be transparent about that. And if it, Help someone and blesses someone great, you know, and I believe it's helping a lot of people. There's there's two things I want to bring out about the book. The weight is not about sex, but it begins with sex. It's a book about relationships. And one of my favorite lines in the book is this. Um, The weight, the weight you stop. Okay. In your book, the weight you stop, stop picking and choosing which parts of the Bible you will follow. I read that Mm -hmm. and I just bust out laughing because not only do, does that line apply to me, but so many people, we go, we'll do this. Mm-hmm. It's too much work to do everything. So I'm going right. to follow this over here. But as you say, you can't part-time follow God. Yeah. That's what you're saying, right? Right. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is this, I think we do tend to pick and choose, and especially as it pertains to sex, because we feel like, well, you, Lord, you have to understand this part. You gave us desires. Right. You know, <laughs> you, you know we want to do it. You know all the Christians and the saints is doing it now. Come on. Right, and right, right. And you make excuses. Mm-hmm. You know, just like when I when I first lost my virginity, I, you know, I said, I'll wait till I'm going to get married. I lost my virginity at 19. Mm-hmm. And it was later than most of my friends, but it was also like, I was like, well, this is my first love. I'm going to marry him. So, you know, it's my husband anyway. And of right. course it wasn't. Right. Um, but I realized, you know, I, I lived my life like there'd be times where I, felt bad and I would like repent and I would not have sex for months. And then, you know, and it just, I realized that I was really picking and choosing and giving myself license instead of saying, let me just try to do the hardest thing that there is to do in terms of the commandments. And let's see how that goes. And what I realized is once I conquered that and I found that discipline within myself for delayed gratification and to not pick and choose, it, it gave me the freedom and the power to have more self-control over so many areas. I hated working out and, you know, I, it was never going to happen. And because of the discipline I learned from the weight is why I was able to work out, which ultimately resulted in Shazam and ultimately resulted in me about to be 39. I'm in the best shape of my life because my lifestyle changed because my discipline changed because of the weight. So it's not just relationships. It's, it's across the board. It changed my life, my career. Because you guys got uh, married in 2012, correct? We got to, yep, yep. And, uh, and, I, and I have to say, I'd have to say, like I said, I'm a fan of yours. I'd have to say that period between 2012 and now, I'd have to say it's been the most, the best part of your career. I, I don't want to sound insulting. I'm talking about the movies, the films, the the projects, your your brand, your 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 ability, your look, you glow. You know, when you're with your husband, y'all, you glow. And that comes back to discipline and honesty with yourself. And that is my that is one of the takeaways that I had with the book, The Weight. And uh, if you don't mind, it's it's because it's it's on my shelf at my my home. Like I said, I gave it to my daughter. She read it. And I have a home in Houston and Atlanta. I have it. Keep it in my Atlanta home. Uh, is, Is it still available to be bought? The book? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. You can so, get it on Amazon. I mean, just about anywhere. Barnes Noble. Okay, cool. Okay. This pretty much anywhere, yeah. So if you, if you feel a little surge in book sales, because Rashawn McDonald's going to do this. I have a 90,000 fan, fan club email newsletter that I send out every Friday at 9 a.m. I'm going to put this book in my newsletter. Okay? Uh-huh. And because Thank I you. feel that there's so many inconsistencies I have had in my life. And one of the things in doing money making conversations has allowed me to, you know, I, I made a lot of people famous. I laid, made a lot of corporations money in my life. But what I've what I've done is found Rashawn McDonald. And I just talking to you on this doing this interview is just so fulfilling to me because of the fact that you got it, mm-hmm. Megan. You 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 clearly are comfortable with yourself. You clearly are happy with yourself, and you're a beautiful person. That's that's a, that's awesome. Congratulations! Thank you. Wow, that blessed me. Thank thank you, thank you for that. I, I you know I have yeah. to be honest because of the fact that, and I try to do this show and and and, and expose people. Be uh, when I when I th- drop the whole idea of money making conversations. You know, we may talk about your career. We may talk about these when the people come on the show. But I always want to pull back the curtain so people can just talk. And I don't play no music. I have no ambush questions. I just want them to just really talk. And uh, this is going to be well received in my platform. This interview and you're just special. I just want you to keep winning. 
And uh, and I, I'd like to get your husband Devon on the show to talk about it. Like, yeah. I, I have something I call a power couples. I bring power couples on my show together so they can talk. And uh, that's a very popular series I have with money making conversations. But more importantly, you know, you know, you you, you made me happy. We're gonna do Shazam too. You you coming back in that? You stand in yeah. shape, so you're gonna be ready for that. The girl girl raps. We know we sold out in certain things right now, but we're gonna get that up and running because guess what? I'm gonna put that in my newsletter. That means sold out's a good thing. Make it sold out's a good thing. You have the Amen. good, great, a good foundation with, that you started with your sister. That's doing great things, and the and the weight is a blessing that I want to put back that put out there in my platform to the world. Eighty eight percent of my followers are female, and they need to hear the word. And the word is being delivered by you and your husband. And it's a written word. And guess what? The Bible's written word. Not saying it's the Bible, but the reflections no, of what the, the reflections of what you're talking about are guided from the words. And that's important yeah, that people need is. to read and also share. And I want to thank you for calling my show, Megan. Yeah, I want to thank you for even thinking to have me and wanting to have me. And, mm-hmm. and thank you for affirming me as well and pouring to, into me as well, because it, it seems like a small thing to say the things that you said, but it's not. And I really appreciate it and I really receive it. And I thank you for having me. Well, my hands, my hands are put together, my bowing forward in a blessed state. In a prayer-like state because we we will talk again in the future. Be safe during these pandemic times. Tell your husband hi. And anytime you want to promote, I might have them reach out and if they can get some artwork or something like that. I just want to put anything tacky out there, especially about your raps and all this stuff. We will stay in close with my staff to make sure that anytime you release anything, any movie, any sitcom, anything you do in television or as an entrepreneur or with your foundation, bring it to me so I can promote it. It's not about, I don't charge any money with my social media. I just want to spread love and let everybody know that you can win and you win it through relationships. And that's what you're preaching, young lady. Keep on preaching. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We've been preaching on this show of money making conversation. <laughs> girl, be, self, be safe out there. Okay. We talk soon. All right. Yes, we will. Thank okay. you. All righty. My next guest. Uh, wants women to discover their true worth. She is an activist, self-improvement, sp- excuse me, self-empowerment speaker, entrepreneur, talent manager, and author of I Once Was Her. She is famous for being the momager or talent manager <laughs> to rapper, film, and television star Lil Bow Wow. Please welcome the money-making conversation, entrepreneur, and author Teresa Caldwell. Hi guys, how are you? Hi, 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 hi. Hey Teresa, how you doing, my friend? Oh my God, I'm so blessed. It's been a long time, right? It's been well, you know, it's really interesting. I, I, let's let's go back and give a history about uh, how we met. We met in uh, Los Angeles, a uh, little bow wow, yes. and about a, a thousand people came into the Steve Harvey Morning Show's radio booth, and that was the first encounter we met. Uh, you know, as a rising star and uh, in the business, and uh, I like to believe that uh, Steve and I helped. Uh, you know, fuel his success by uh, supporting him in the music. But you stood out because you were his talent manager and, and still yes. is the talent manager today, correct? Yes. Well, right now, I, I only manage television and film. Okay, cool. And I do like branding and okay. marketing. Awesome, awesome. So talk about, uh, you know, first of all, you're coming on the book, or coming on the show to talk about the book, I Once Was Her. I read the book, a very good read, very fast read because of the fact that, I know, I know. Because of the fact, you know, if, when reading the book, uh, Teresa, um, I, if, if this was a, um, a play, if it was a, a dramatic play, 
because mm-hmm. you introduce different people who are important relationships in your life. I would sit, mm-hmm. I would put you in the middle of the room and I have a spotlight on you and the entire room will be dark. OK. And then mm-hmm. a light will shine on Curtis Martin. He stand up and he say something. Oh. And then a, a night was shine up on another person. They stand up because that's how that was the feeling that I had when I read the book, because it felt like various levels of testimonials about mm-hmm. not long. I mean, there's just one of some of them were one pagers. Some of them were two or three pages. The little, And so but they were important because they described layers in your life. That yes. The changes in your life and how they were important. So talk about the. The, the angle and the thought and putting it did, did I describe the, the the approach to your book from a theatrical standpoint right yes you did you did and see what the reason why I chose to write the book that way first of all I'm not a big reader right mm-hmm. so I wanted to make my book different because I wanted to catch you know my readers I wanted them because you know a lot of times we read the book we'll start reading the book and we'll put it down mm-hmm. but I wanted my book to be an easy read so I'm so glad that you got that you took that from the book yes I, I did. wanted it to be an easy read and I wanted it to you I wanted my readers to feel what I went through and I wanted each one of my friends to write something about me like what did they experience right. with me or by me being their friend right and and I picked the I picked the girls who were you know who were the closest to me mm-hmm. to start each chapter. Mm-hmm. And I picked Curtis Martin to do my forward because that's my brother mm-hmm. and he knows everything about me. Right. Well, you know, the thing about the book, uh, and I'd say it's a testimonial, it's a, um, mm-hmm. it's a shout out to uh, mm-hmm. survival. It's uh, yes, a book yes, about yes. Uh, uh, overcoming the odds. Uh, yes. Single parenting from a woman's yes. perspective. Um, yes. Choosing the right mate. And also, yes. more importantly, the importance of fatherhood uh, in a young girl's life. Because mm-hmm. I, I, have a, I have a daughter; she's twenty-two, mm-hmm. and um, I always, I always have the firm belief that she's going to pick a version of me when she yes. goes out there making her selection process. And so yes, I'm, I'm very definitely. conscious in my communications with her. Uh, I will, she can talk to me about anything. Uh, I will stop what I'm doing if she have, if she wants my attention, not because I'm trying to baby her. I just want to know what's right. running through her mind because she may have a question that might shape, especially when you're young. When you're young, you just grab information and people don't understand that that information that people grab as, as a young person will hang can hang through to them for the rest of their lives. And so, yes. and, and that was you. Your, your, your father, who's now deceased, played, you know, mm-hmm. was a, played an important role in shaping you initially. And let's talk about that, the, the importance of a male figure in your life at an early age. I feel like for me, and I only speak from my experiences, mm-hmm. I feel like for me, as a little girl, mm-hmm. the first man that we will love is our father. Right. I feel like that love that we get from our father or a father figure is so key into a little girl when she grows up because that's the type of man that she's going to search for. So for me, I didn't have that type of father love. So I, I searched for what I knew and the, and I searched for the love that I, that I got from my father and it wasn't the best love. So I, I attracted, you know, men who, treated me kind of like my father who were verbally abusive, Mm -hmm. um, who felt like I wasn't good enough, who I always tried to prove to my father that I was going to be great. Right. And 
it was just hard. So for me, those are the type of men that I chose, you know, my younger age, I chose those type of guys. And then I also chose the type of guys that my mother dated. And my mother dated abusers. Mm -hmm. So I watched my mother get abused. Mm -hmm. So I attracted abusers Mm -hmm. because that's what I knew. And so with me, I had to stop the cycle. So there was the time I I will never forget it when I got beat so bad that my ex guy, the abuser, he knocked my I, l- I look like the elephant man's little sister. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why. You that's note how that I in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, just looking at my face and just looking at my body, just looking how I looked. And I had to lie to my son and tell my son that I fell down the stairs. Right. And from that point, yeah, from that point, I was just like, you know what? I got to break this cycle. Like, I don't want to be anything like my mother. And I don't want to date anything like the guys my mom dated. And I and so that right there was a wake up call for me. Well, you know, let's let's talk about that, because uh, I know when he when he abused you, you even called his father and his father came over and he saw what he had done yeah. to you physically. He told him yeah. he, he would beat him up if he did that to you again. And guess what? He still did it anyway. And so. Yeah. So what people don't understand about uh, abuse and I'm not saying I'm an expert expert an expert in abuse. It is a book, but there's a journey. There's years. Like you got kicked out of the house when you was 15 because the mm-hmm. fact that the boyfriend that was dating your mom at the time was physically mm-hmm. beating her up. And your mm-hmm. only recourse was to call the police. They arrested him yeah. and the mom, like mm-hmm. in most domestic situations, sided with the man and told him that yeah. you had to go. And you were thrown out yeah. with no guidance, no no support system. If your mom had four sisters, they didn't want anything to do with you. And the state of mm-hmm. Ohio was not only became a prison for you because you didn't know where to go. You had no options. You you might as well have no. been in jail because you didn't have any support. And so, right. so, so you start to struggling to find yourself. And then along the way, of course, you got pregnant twice. One of the second child was a mm-hmm. little bow wow. And so mm-hmm. love is really interesting when I read about it in your book, because there is emotional love and there's physical love. And then there's loving yourself. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the emotional love and let's talk about the physical love in that order, because the emotional love is what you were trying to get from your parents. And you didn't get it. Yeah, the emotional, yeah, the emotional love that I was searching for, you're absolutely right, was the love that I was trying to get from my mother and my mm-hmm. father. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. And then So the, for me, like. You, you can continue, Teresa. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so when you, when you were searching for that emotional love. Right. It's, 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 it's really hard when you don't get that from your, your parents. Like, I didn't get it. Right. I didn't get it, so I kept searching for it. And it was sad because of the fact that, you know, I'm talking, just just set up everybody. I'm talking to Teresa Caldwell. She's the author of the new book. uh, You can order it, pre-order it right now. It's called I Once Was Her. Um, It will be out officially in June, June 28th of this year. Uh, It's a good book to, I always tell people, order it now. Because uh, you ordered yes. now, then her, she become a New York Times bestseller based on the pre-orders. Because oh boom, you know I yes. know the system, and system, and so. But one of the things that when I'm when I'm reading the book, and we're about to close out this first break, is that you know, as a man, I felt helpless reading your story, because as a man, I would not have done any of these things to any woman, not let alone you. So, mm-hmm. so when you when you when you these men try to play what you consider an important role in your life and you accept that they're going to abuse you. When does that acceptance becomes okay 
to an abuser or, or do you even know when it's okay? You just accept it. Can you answer that question? You know what? From like, I speak from my experiences. Yes. Like you really don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. Right. Just accept because it. Mm-hmm. I just accepted it. I accepted it because I felt like for me, because I saw that growing up, right. I felt like that abuse the hits and all that stuff at the beginning, I felt like that was his way of showing me that he loved me. You know, I felt like that was his way of showing me that he loved me because in my mind, I felt like, Oh my God, cause I saw my mother go through it. I felt like when he hit me and then like he would apologize and be like, I only did that because you know, I, I want you to know that I care for you. I care about you. Right. I love you. That's the only way. That's why I did it. So that's what happens. Like for me, that's what I thought. Like, oh my God, at the beginning, like he really loves me. I was right. young, mm-hmm. but like he loves me mm-hmm. to hit me, to abuse me. He loves me. Right. And to, and to keep coming back and supporting it was, yeah, the, was the blind definitely. side. But the sad part about it is that you were young. We have women in their 30s, yeah. 40s, 50s, and 60s that are dealing with these situations. I'm talking to Teresa Caldwell. This beautiful, well-put-together woman has had her share of tears and mountains to climb. Teresa's book is a raw, a raw look a raw look into the dark side of her life growing up before fame and fortune, and it tells the story of rejection, abandonment, and physical abuse. We'll be right back with more. We'll talk about her online, Taste Online Boutique, but more importantly, yes. a testimony of, of overcoming the odds, a testimony of realizing that one has to love themselves first in order to understand a path out of domestic abuse. You have to look in the mirror and say, look, I am important. I am the person that should be on top of this game. If you don't mm-hmm. ever Admit that to yourself. You will always be in a state of abuse, not by your, not because somebody is giving it to it, because you are accepting it. The beauty of it, like I said, we met in Los Angeles, uh, came into the radio studio, and uh, I always felt we had a good relationship because I understood I was a talent manager for uh, uh, then Steve Harvey and dealing with all the ins and outs. But you are a mom manager, which is a different mm-hmm. perspective because of the fact that you know, as a manager, you 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 basically I was a I was a father. Father, priest, uh, accountant, uh, motivator, crisis guy. And so to have an actual relationship with a young man like like Bow Wow and then to send him off at a very early age under mm-hmm. the under the uh, care of Suge Knight, under the care oh. and guidance of Snoop Dogg. Oh, uh, talk about that moment and all those moments, because you had to be uh, like uh, biting your fingernails on that one. But you had no options. You know, I know. You know what? Like for me, like it was it was fun. I must say it was it was fun, mm-hmm. um, and I recognized early on that you know Bow was smart. I recognize I recognized his talent, and I also it was his dream. Right, you know, it was a dream. So what I did was I was like, you know what, this is something that he wants to do. This is his gift. So as a parent, I wanted to make sure he was able to live out his dream. Mm-hmm. So I trusted Snoop. I trusted Suge. Like, the relationship that I had with Suge, you know, back in the day, like, I didn't, like, I, I had a great relationship with right. all of them. Mm-hmm. And they all looked out for Bell's best interest, even when I wasn't around. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was all about trust, and it was all about God. I felt that God was in it. So I feel like when God is in it, you feel safe. Right. So I felt like God was in it, and it was his gift. 
Well, I, I love you that. I, I love in the book where Snoop comes to you and go, you know, some. I'm really not. I'm really am not a good example or role model. Yeah. <laughs> I, he did say that. <laughs> I, I laugh so hard because I know Snoop and and he Snoop will smoke some weed. People understand. He yeah. will, he will, the brother is a now it's, it's like America has caught up with Snoop, which is really funny because he was not going to change. He confessed publicly all the time. He did it, and now when you see him, it's being uh being sold and stolen for medical reasons or just clear for just for for sale but profit reason you have cbd and all these different uh ointments that are being uh brought out because of uh, uh, marijuana usage it's really amazing but when snoop i read that part of the book and i went that's snoop because one thing about snoop there is a there's a business side to him he is a family man who if anybody has followed his life you see he is a family man Okay. Yes, he, he is. He is a family man, and so he came to you, and, and you, anybody know his whole career? How he has been a mentor, or I want to say like a pseudo father for the community by starting the, the football league. And a many young men he's helped to get scholarships in in college yes. football has been a, a testament to him. But let's go back to you in particular. You know that you know, like you said, you you started dating hood dudes, and then you start dating pro athletes. You know. And you was getting into this theme. You went from the hood dudes, you know, who were out there, you know, beating you, selling drugs, but your lifestyle was uh you know, was there. You didn't have all one hundred percent benefits of the lifestyle, but at least you had the lifestyle. And then you went yes, to the yes, athletes, yes, which is yes. also a confusing world because, you know, it's a competitive world because, you know, they go from different city to city. So let's talk about yes. where you came from. OK, at 15, you got kicked out of the house. Then you got yes. pregnant. Unfortunately, yes. sadly, you lost your first child. Then you mm -hmm. had bow and then you start mm -hmm. raising him. And then all of a sudden you got, got this young man was taken care of. He, he's kind of like the first father figure for Bow Wow. And uh, right. and but he was into drugs, and then yeah. you decided, hey, you know, some I'm gonna do it too because I got to pay off this debt, and we won't get yeah. in any more detail. Read the book; it's fantastic. Yeah. How she is yeah. showing you when you cornered, you in a state of desperation, you can start crying, but have a plan while you're crying. Because one thing I took away from this book is that you, if you're in a crisis situation especially in a violent crisis situation, you got to have a plan B. And that's what you say a lot. The reason you stayed in so long, you never had a plan B. When you got that plan B, you got out. I got out. Yes. Yes, that is so true. Um, I, I felt like, you know, when I got myself in a situation, of course, I didn't have a, I didn't have a plan. Right. I didn't have a plan B or C. So, in order for me to get myself out of the situation, I had to have a plan. So I stayed in it a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And so I got a plan. Mm -hmm. So once I got a plan, you know, that's when I got myself out. So I went from that. And I, and I and you know what? I don't, I don't regret any of the things that I went through because that, the street life made me understand the entertainment world. Right. Because it was kind of, to me, back then, it was the same thing. It was just one was legal and one was illegal. Right. So that's how I looked at it. I looked at the music industry back then. You know, it was, it, was, it was brutal. Yes. So I looked at it like, okay, it's the same thing. It was street dudes running stuff. You know, I was, it was the same. So I was built for it. You know, mm -hmm. when they came at me, I was able to, you know, to, to stand up for myself because right. of what I had already gone through. Right. So I went from that to dating, you know. You know, dating, I, well, I, 
I went from that to being married, and then once I got my divorce, then right. that's when I started dating the pro athlete. Right, right, right. Well, you know, the, and so with that, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with dating the athletes, like, there's goods and bad. You know, Absolutely. that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of perks. Like you said, they're gone a lot. They're not around. But there's a lot of perks to that. You know, and, yes. and, and for me, for me, you know, I can't sit here and, um, and really say, uh, like, bad things about the guys that I dated. It was just, like, when I look back at everything, like, all the relationships, you know, I kind of, like, was the type of girl who was, like, you know, after going through a marriage and divorce, I was like, I don't want to be married. Right. Or have kids. You know? Or have kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I had, that was made up in my mind. Like, I don't want to be married, and I don't want to have any children. Right. So, for me... You know, dating me was like it was only it was only going to go but so far, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm making it known that I don't want to be married. I'm not having any kids. But you know, it was good for me to hear that because that's taking control of your life. To me, yes. You know, that's telling people I can make a decision. I can trust myself, and it doesn't have to be determined by a man. It's being ter- determined by me, and that's what I, you know, when I, when I open up. When you when I introduce you, you say your your purpose is for women to discover their true worth, and yes. that's what this book is about. I once was her. I'm talking to to to, to Teresa Caldwell. It's a it's a it's a memoir about her life before she was managing. Well, it's kind of like it slid into when she started when Bow Wow became famous. A little Bow Wow became famous under that name, Little Bow Wow at the time. But it's really about the beginning and how it shaped her as a businesswoman. Because it was a tough life that she grew up on it, kicked out of the house at 15, had a baby, I think 16, then had another child, which is a bow wow today and uh, raised him. And uh, and uh, what I loved about it is that you didn't allow men to negatively shape your son's vision, because when he had a child, speaking of Shad, you made sure that he understood his role in that young girl's life. Talk about that. Yes. Yes. I made sure that when Val had a daughter, because of how hard it was for me, yes, it was important to me that I instilled in him that you have to be a great father, not a good father, but a great father because you have a daughter. Right. You know, and so, and I told him, like, it is so important because you will be the first man that she will ever fall in love with. The way you teach her and the way you treat her and the way you raise her and the way you're in her life, that's going to set the standards for when she gets older. When she starts dating, the standards mm-hmm. are going to be so high because she's going to be like, you know, my father treated me like this. My right. father this. My father that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, and, and, and I told him, like, I told him that. Like, it's important. I, I, I mean, I know I probably got on his nerves talking about it all the time, <laughs> yes. but I, I, but the relationship that, that he has with his daughter is priceless now. If you look at their videos and stuff, you can tell There's that love. he plays a big role in her life and it's all about love. Right. That's you important. can tell. That's important. Yeah, it's important. It's important. And then our relationship, like, you know, like even with, with my, with Bao and I, like our relationship, the things that I talk about what we went through a little bit, I, I touched on that a little bit mm-hmm. in the book, like how hard that was, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
you know, being a mom and being a manager and, you know, trying to separate the two, it did put a strain on our, on our relationship. We did go through some things, mm-hmm. you know, because we want what's best for our children. And then, you know, like me, like my fear was I never wanted my son to be on drugs. Absolutely. Like that was a fear of mine, mm-hmm. you know, and being in the, in the industry, like so much can happen and, and drugs are like, they give it to them. Like, and, yes, and that do. was a big, I feared that. I tried to protect him. And you did a good job because in the book you say I had to one I had to take off my talent manager hand and put back on my yeah. mama hat. Because I sometimes did. you gotta let him know, look, I brought you into this world. I have a different level of passion. That dude over there, he just wants ten percent. That dude just wants to yeah. sell tickets over there. I yeah. I your mama. Day one. This day one. This day one mama right here. Day one. And we'll be here in the end. When all this is going away, I'm still going to be there for you. And that's what you that's what you stated in the book very clearly mm-hmm. that, yes, yeah. I, I I did accept the role and, and uh, the, the professional role as his talent manager. But I never lost the mama hat or the mom. hat, no. And that was really important. I didn't. Uh, before we get out no, of here, I want to I want to put on that entrepreneur hat that um, that you have here. Taste Online Boutique. Tell us about that. Yes, so I have an online boutique. It's Taste Online. Mm-hmm. Doc, well, it's shoptasteonline.com. Right. Mm-hmm. That I've had that boutique forever. Like, my passion is fashion, and I, I'm also an interior designer. Mm-hmm. So I people don't know, like, that's where I came from, that world. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been an interior designer for, uh, for years. Mm-hmm. So I'm back into that full time now. They kind of brought me out of retirement. <laughs> and I do a lot of entertainers' homes, like, you know, a lot of athletes. It's like my number one client. So I do a lot of those homes. And my store is, you know, I have a passion for fashion. I love to see my girls feel good and look good in what they wear. Awesome. Uh, the book, uh, I want to recommend everybody to go out. I, and not just because of the, it's not a book to read about um the dark side of abuse, uh, the, the drama of being able to uh, overcome the odds. It's about a person, and a, a very relatable person, a young woman who was thrown out into a world of darkness, no instructions on how to be a young woman, no instructions on how to be a young mom, no instructions on how to be a lady, no instructions on how to accept and understand why I'm being abused, no instructions on how to create a B plan, and she did it. And it's all in this wonderfully written book, I Once Was Her. Uh, right now, you can go in online and pre-order the book. The book officially comes out June 28th. Teresa Caldwell, I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And so nice to hear your voice. My guest is one of the stars of the OWN Network series, Greenleaf. The show will premiere on June 23rd on OWN. He's one of my favorite Hollywood actors because he can swing between comedy, sci-fi, voiceover, dramatic roles, Broadway. He has an incredible acting range. Like I said, Broadway. Something about Mary, one of my all-time funny movies that he appeared in. Pitch Black, Sci-Fi, Barbershop, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Plus, he has won three Emmys performing voiceover work. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation. Discuss the final season of Greenleaf, the actor and singer that you didn't, a lot of you guys don't know about. He plays Bishop James Greenleaf. Please welcome Keith David. How are you doing, sir? I'm well, man. How are you doing? <laughs> really good. Really good. Uh, four seasons down, a fifth season to go. We know about television. Sometimes you can get greenlit and it don't even last uh, beyond the, the burning of the candle. Uh, going into five right. seasons. Talk about that. Talk about the 
the journey of this series so far before we get into details from a personal perspective? Well, it's been an incredible journey for me uh, because uh, years of my life, I, I used to fantasize about being a preacher. I used to want to be a preacher when right. I was growing mm -hmm. up. And uh, uh, I didn't I didn't want to be a kind of jack leg. So right. I, uh, I, I decided to pursue other areas of my life, you know, and, and the life of an artist. Right. And uh, I, I believe that they're both a calling. So now, I, you know, I feel that acting is my ministry. Uh, but when Greenleaf came along, it was like a dream being fulfilled. I mean, it was truly a, a, a blessing. If you don't, you know, if, if, uh, if you don't believe in God, well, uh, that's, that's your business. But right. God loves you anyway. And, well, we, and, and well, that we, was, that well was, that I was, believe in God. I believe in God. So keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that was, that was, that was living proof that, you know, that, uh, that, God is always looking out for me mm -hmm. and take better care of me than I care to take care of myself. Yes, absolutely. I believe in that. I believe that uh, hard All work and focus will get you there. And uh, the blessings are based on your hard work and your career is shown a body of work that is tied to, you know, the thing I like about your career is that, you know, I, I always tell people wherever the opportunity is pointed, give it a hundred percent and go for it. You know, voiceover work, hundred percent going for it. singing, Broadway, comedy, drama. That's a really versatile plate of, as they say, food that you're dining on there, sir. Talk to us about being able to have that range and that ability and, 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 and that, that blessing right there, be able to do all those different things. Because some people are just good at comedy. Some people are just good at dramatic roles. But you've been able to, you're able to swing back and forth. Talk to us about that. Well, first of all, I'm lucky. Uh, to be able to do that, but that's what I trained for. That's what I spent my life training for. You know, mm -hmm. I spent uh, I spent ten years of my life in class training. Right. You know, from uh, from high school and college, and uh, and and you know the the, the 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 greatest blessing is I get to do it. Yes, sir. I get to do that which <laughs> I that which I prepared myself to do. You know it's, what I mean? Isn't that great? So, it, I mean, it, it is great. I mean that's I mean that's a blessing beyond my wildest imagination. Uh, and I appreciate that. Now let's let's talk about Greenleaf. Okay, the last season. I'm gonna just talk about your character a little bit, because uh, the last season, you know, Grace character became a dominant character. Lady Maid, and we saw what Charity was doing and undermined the family. And Carissa character kind of undermined the relationship she had with Jacob. The men, the men character, I, I felt were kind of like. Like, 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 we're pushed a little bit to the back, and a female can nothing negative about it when I say that, nothing negative because you got the storylines you have to develop. Then I see this trailer for the final season, and you, 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 you're preaching through the whole thing, you're praying through the whole thing, Bishop. Are you trying to send us a message? Is your voice coming to the forefront of the series with prayer and leadership for the fifth season? Talk to me. Well, you know, uh, The, the the family journey, yes, sir, has always been about, you know, been about reestablishing ourselves in the church and mm -hmm. uh, grace coming, grace coming back home to uh, uh, just rectify, yes, sir, 
what were what had gone on previously in the family. And so, and I think that when we when we started the series, Bishop was in a place where he was ready to atone for whatever he had, what his you know past uh, discrepancies, right? You know, what you know, and 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 face them head on. Of course, now when you when you you say you're ready for that, mm-hmm. but when the moment comes, you say, "Oh God, does it have to be right now?" Right? You know. So he's gone through all of that, but you know, in season five, you know, uh, we see, you know, that, you know, everything has a ripple effect. It really does. And yeah, and so and so he's got he's got to deal with that. And so um, that's what season five is about: is that final reckoning. Come on now, come on now. Uh, what? What you know? What, what it's like? You know when you have to. You know it's. You know it's. Uh, it's like. Uh, it's let me let me let me, let me let me ask you this, I'm, Keith, huh? about the about your character about the show. Okay, because of the fact that the the finale set up a lot of lot of storylines. That finale set up. I'm talking about mm-hmm. season four finale. You know, Charity, mm-hmm. she. You th- you thought you could convince her to vote the right way? She did, okay. That I'm sure shocked your character. You thought she would see the right way. Then she got kicked to the curb by Phil when uh, Bob Whitmore, the owner of H and H, told her if you want to stay some stay have power in this whole situation with this church, you got to marry my daughter, who happens to be white. If you're not following the series. So those are just a small level of dynamics. When you when you get this script, these scripts have to be juicy at the table. Really, these scripts have to be juicy when you shot them. You can just see all this stuff playing itself out. And then, but but Charity for the fifth season, she's undermining the family. How do you bring her back into the family without destroying the storylines that we have not seen yet for the fifth season? You know, you 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 raise your kids. To be good people, right? And you, you try to and and you uh, try to convince them to to do the next rightest thing, right? And then you then you have to let go and let God handle it the way He's going to handle it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that also that's also one of the one of the big lessons that uh, Bishop learns is, you know, in spite of your intentions, mm-hmm. it's going to go the way God intends it to go, right? And and we have and we just have to uh, pray for the grace to deal with that because it may not be it may not be exactly the way you wanted it to go, <laughs> no matter what your intentions are. You know, the, 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 you, you know, you, you know, deal with that. You know, you got that great voice there, Keith. You know, you got that that profound voice. As they say, you know, when I when I do TV shows or uh, into, they call it the voice of God. It's so eloquent. It's so it's so strong. Come on, let's go and tell the truth about this. And so, like I say, you have that natural gift to be to be able to resonate like a minister. And so, so you're the bishop, James Greenleaf, on the series that premieres Greenleaf on the series June twenty. It premieres June twenty third on the OWN Network. Now, in the trailer, now. In the trailer, I see you kissing Lady May. Uh huh. Okay, now I know you've been wanting She's to get back, huh? She's uh, my wife. Well, you know, but y'all, y'all kind of like had a little discord over the years here in these 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 final seasons here. Come on now, come on now, Bishop. Now, don't listen, act like I'm you, not. Don't act like can, I don't. If, if you if you 
You don't have to be with somebody <laughs> 45 years to have a little discourse, <laughs> to experience a little discourse. So you can believe after 45 years, there are there, 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 there going to be some challenges that arise. Yes, sir. But, you know, but, you know, with, you know, uh, uh, with a belief in the God of your understanding, you know, God will find a way. Absolutely. If it's meant to be. You know, Absolutely. If, if, it, if it's meant to be, and, so, and if it's meant to be, so you, so you know, that's where we are. Okay. So, so okay. Now, uh, we got Charity. You got to bring her back in the fold. I, I catch you kissing, Lady May in the trailer, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Now, are y'all, y'all all praying, holding hands, the entire family. Jacob is in there. Zora, Sophia, Carissa, and so, so. Everybody's living at this house, this giant house. It's a beautiful house. There's a lake on the property. And Carissa has issues because she's tired of living in your mama's house, your daddy's house. So so as as the uh, man of the house, the, the the bishop, how does that play out as far as as far as the characterization of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to deliver on this show as the bishop, not only at the church, which you've lost, but holding on to the house that you may leave lose based on some information that Carissa got from Fernando. Can you talk to me about that? I cannot talk to you about that. You gotta watch. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, Key. Come on, Key. I said it up for I can, you, I, I, can, I can tell you yes, that sir. um that, that that will that will play out. Yes, sir. That will play out. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to be um you know, wonderfully surprised. Yes, sir. Because the story, the story is so exciting, and and but you know, the thing that I think is so wonderful about it is right. You know, uh, you know, God works in so many mysterious ways. We don't know what the ways of God are and right. what the lessons are to be learned. Right. And that's what makes that's what makes I think the the uh, the series so compelling is that. Uh, in the midst of this, you know, this storytelling is is so, uh, there's such a relationship with real life and what happens in life. Because in life, it doesn't always turn out to be as hunky-dory as you'd like it. Now, you know, and and we have to deal with that. Absolutely. And that that happens in ministers' families, that happens in bishops' families, that happens in church families. That happens in families that never go to church. It just happens because it's life. You know, it's really interesting. So you will see, you will see a wonderful way of life unfolding in this season. Oh, believe me, last season was, you know, when uh, Grace was trying to reconnect with AJ. Now, you, you didn't tell me, you said, Rashawn, look at the story. Look at the story. Look, telling all my fans, you're not going to give us any extra, any little inroads into what may be happening in season five. Watch the episode. Now, when at the end of last season, now, Grace was at Fate's gravesite. And this gentleman, who looked like AJ, but he wasn't AJ, walked up to her at the gravesite and he walked away. Any inkling of what that character was? Was he an angel? What was he? Well, you know, I'm a, I, I have to leave that up to you because, mm-hmm. you know, um, in life, again, I, I love the way 
art imitates life. Because there, there, there are many times when you have an experience right. like that. You know, that's what reminded me of, well, he looked like he could have been so-and-so son, and have maybe... Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Right. Right. You know. I mean. You know. Sometimes when we when we have dreams, and they speak to us. Yes, sir. And I mean, I've had dreams that were so real that uh, if you would ask me today, did it really happen? I would not, in good conscience, be able to swear that it didn't. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, so you know, I mean. That's the way I see that moment. Is one of the, it's one of those sort of God shot moments where you don't you know was that him was that not him whatever it was it was a it was a it was a momentary mi- miracle right it was a, it was if that she needed she need she needed some godly reassurance of some kind and she got it oh that 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 ending was well written because her she was questioning her faith looking down at the great side of faith and then this character came up to out of mystery and spoke to her and i want to don't want to tell everybody everything because everybody should if you haven't watched the series go watch one two three four and get caught up before you start june 23rd and watching season five the thing about it is that i just want your opinion sir because i got you on the show Give me your thoughts on each one of these people who are in your life. They play characters, but what are your thoughts about Phil? What what who works under Bob Whitmore for H and H? Who's well, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, again, here's a guy. Here's here's a here's a here's a guy mm-hmm. who I, I believe starts out with some kind of some kind of faith, but you see, uh, the, the the devil is slick, right? And 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 puts all kinds of temptations in front of you. Sometimes it's a beautiful woman. Sometimes it comes in the form of money. Sometimes it comes in the form of power. Right. Sometimes it, sometimes it comes in the form of some combination of all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it also, but, but, you know, the devil can also uh, uh, disguise himself in ambition. And, you know, and the ego is a monster mm-hmm. because the, the ego can fool you to thinking that it is you. And it will, it will, you know, uh, start motivating you in ways that you think is pure, but it's really couched behind some uh, egoic need uh, that's that's stoked by greed uh, and and the worst parts of ambition that becomes selfish, and you become selfishly driven, so that you know. Uh, you lose your way. You yes, suddenly sir. can't see the forest. You yeah. can't see the forest for the trees. And that's Phil. I think Phil started out. I think he started out, you know, because he wanted to have his own church. Mm-hmm. He got an opportunity. He got an opportunity to work with this man, who, you know, promised him big things. Bob one of which that he would, yes, one day he would have his own church. So okay, if the sacrifice I have to make is being a ghost writer. I mean, that may not be the biggest sin in the world. Okay, fine. Uh, but then it leads you to do other things. And when, when it becomes, you know, I mean, the, the thing about Phil, when it comes down to taking down your own. Yes, sir. And that is, that is, that is both, you know, uh, familiarly mm-hmm. and spiritually. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, then you have, you know, you have to question those motives and, you know, which the bishop does from the beginning. 
bishop questions his motives from the from the Absolutely. beginning, and, you know, sees yes. sees and knows who sees and knows who he is because he knows who Bob Whitmore is. And, okay, let's you know? go right there. Who is Bob Whitmore? Is he the devil? Well, I mean, the, 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 again, the devil has many forms, with yes, many names, many mm-hmm. dis, many disguises, and you know, I mean, what I I mean, I can't call out every ambitious creature uh, in the world, but the, you know, sometimes when the when the ambition uh, overrides your your true sense of spirituality, right. Then there's something to be questioned because you know you ha- we have to watch out for false gods, and money is one of them. Absolutely, I mean, we, we live in, we live in a society where money is necessary. I mean, you know, even in biblical times, you know, uh, the money wasn't the same as it, as it is now. But you know, people, you know, people got got um, lost. You know, you know, how many camels do you have? How much bread do you have? Right. You know, there were all kind. There were all kinds of ways to disguise that that particular um, evil of greed. And that's and that you know and, that, that and seems to be the center storyline. Greed, greed happens in this in the storyline, especially with Bob. You know, that's, that's what led Phil down this path. Twenty years of, like you say, ghostwriting and never getting credit, and and then misleading. I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you? Did I read this wrong? I felt that Phil really did care for charity, but then when it push came to a shove and denying his dreams tied to greed, he denounced that relationship to follow the path of greed. Am I wrong in saying that? I don't. I don't think so. That's you know. I mean, you know, and and and, and you have to also understand that whatever whatever your interpretation is, if the, when we're telling stories, right, in a parable. In a parable situation, whatever it is that you need to learn, that's your lesson. Now you watch it again; you may get a different lesson. True, true. But that's the, that's the lesson you got watching it the first time. So, I mean, I I, I I can't tell you that that's not true, or that's not a part of uh, scope of what's to be learned here. Okay. That is one of that is certainly one of the lessons. Now, Jacob, Jacob has not lived a good life. He's, he's had some. We all have had. We stumped our foot and made mistakes, both as a single man and as a married man, and as a father. What are your thoughts about his as a relationship with you and the direction he's grown as a character and as a man on this show, living under your house, under your roof? Again, you know, I mean, and there, you know, uh, I can't at this very second quote to you. Uh, who in the Bible Jacob reminds me of? Right, mm-hmm. but you know, he, and here is here is a man. You know, he's like uh, like like I think maybe maybe Joseph's brother mm-hmm. brothers. Um, here's a here's a man who's lived under the shadow of his father his whole life. He's had you know he's had everything he's ever you know he everything has been given to him, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's. So, but his his mother has also been very protective of yes, him. Yes, you know, in spite of what Lady his May. father might have. Yeah, in spite of what his father might have, you know, his father's always wanted him to be, you know, go out and uh, find his own self. I mean, I remember, I think it's in season two or mm-hmm. season three. I say to him, I say, "Look at me and tell me, get out of my face, old man. Let me do my thing." But you won't even do that, right? Mm-hmm. 
That was three. You won't even do that. You have to find your way. I can't give this to you. I can't give you nothing. You have to earn this. And that's a lesson that a man's got to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is really when I when I look at your the journey of this show and uh, we're talking to uh, Keith David, one of the stars of Greenleaf. Uh, the series premieres June 23rd on the own network. He plays the bishop on the series. Um, it, it, it really I'm just tell you this. Uh, and I've enjoyed this run of first four seasons. I'm looking forward to the final season because it allows me to. Stay calm. It allows me, as you can see, like you said, Rashawn, you might look at it on one episode, then look at it two weeks later and see something or be mostly driven by something else. And that really is what this series is about. It allows you choices. It allows you to be able to, to be able to understand the values that you have for yourself, whether whether you believe or you don't believe. But if you believe, these are the options that you have to make decisions based on. It has to be just a, an amazing, like you said early on when you started this interview with me, you always wanted to be a minister. And this blessing came about where for f- five seasons you could play a bishop on a, on a role and also look inside yourself and feel compelled that you're, you're changing people's lives. Even though it's a role, you still are changing people's lives. Do you believe that? Well, I mean, you know, praise God there is that potential. Yes, sir. And, uh, and 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 I I have absolutely loved that opportunity to be able to tell those kinds of stories. I mean that's I mean that that's uh that's what we do. You know I, I, you know I'm an actor. I'm an artist, and and we and we uh, we tell stories in order to inform our lives. That there, that there is another way of doing things. Yes, sir. You know that you know it's not that there's not just one way to um, get through any given situation. Cool. And you know, I, and I, I mean, I, I you know, I, I believe that even now in this COVID situation, God does not put us in situations that He doesn't provide a way out of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And. I believe just have that. to be awake uh, to what those possibilities are. Cool. Uh, before we close out, I just I know you got other projects other than Greenleaf premiering June twenty third. If you if you want to shout them out, I, I, I got a project with Allison Williams coming up. A project on Amazon. You want to expound on those a little bit before we wrap up here, Mister David? Uh, I am. I'm working right now. I'm working on a show uh, based on the life of Joe Williams. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, my great hope is that it'll be, uh, you know, the the, uh, the pandemic will um, allow us to uh, move into theaters and and to uh, mm-hmm. and you'll get to that you'll get to see it when it's time. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. But it just. Be on, be on the lookout. Absolutely. For Joe Willis. Absolutely, my friend. <laughs> Chief David, thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. I really appreciate it that you allowed me to talk to you. You know, and and, and I know you couldn't give me too much on season five, but you gave me enough leading up to season five to let me know that I need to be watching season five. I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation, sir. Thank you, man.
My next guest, they are on the phone, are the co-founders of Moms as Entrepreneurs. Mission to remove the stigma that moms are unwilling to risk or assume the pressures of being a mom and an entrepreneur. Through their struggles of both motherhood and entrepreneurship, they knew exactly what was needed to help service a community that most didn't think of mothers. Since 2017, they have launched over 110 mom-owned businesses. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Dr. Tamira Lucas and Ms. Jasmine Sims. Thank you for having us. We are super Thank excited you. to be here. Well, you know, you know, I, I, I'm a guy. I, I, I read a, 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 around a lot of the shows about entrepreneurship, and I know that you know women are, are exploding in entrepreneurship, especially African American mm-hmm. women are exploding there. Uh, I, I like to get a response from each one of you about why do you think that is so. Starting with you, uh, Dr. Lucas. So women are exploding in um, entrepreneurship because we build businesses based off of necessities from our, um, that we need every single day. And I know that may seem like very um, cliche of like, well, everybody builds a business off of necessities, but women are those, as you take, go back to our history, um, you know, we were creating solutions to problems within our household. Um, because women were the ones that were, you know, mainly taking care of the households by the male work. And those things kind of exploded from, hey, this is a necessity that I need for my family and my children. Um, and we kind of think a little bit differently. We're always thinking strategically. We're always thinking innovatively because we need these things right now. Um, and right now it is the year. I know here in Maryland, we're located in Maryland and the governor has, um, said that 2020 is the year of the women um, and we are really stepping up to the plate to grow businesses. But Jasmine and I want to make sure that we're not just starting businesses, but we're growing and scaling those businesses so that we can be um, the next multimillion. Oh, those individuals or those women and moms can be the next multimillion dollar businesses that our country um, are birthing. Cool. And the reason you think differently, yes. that's why I wanted uh Miss Sims to have a response because, you know, I always tell people you're successful by thinking differently, but you're even greater, reaches greater heights of success when you can operate as a team. And that's what you're doing. Now, Miss Sims, your response on why women, especially African-American women, are just exploding in the entrepreneurship field. So not only do we see needs that are immediate, but we've always worn so many hats in our families and in our communities. And so we have so many talents and most of those come in the form of hobbies or, you know, things we do offer to provide our families and the people around us. And so people like Tamir and I, we see that in our neighborhoods and we figured it was time to take their hobbies and turn it into a money-making activity Mm -hmm. for them and their communities. So, and then coupled with more of our women are going to school to get the education that can help them actually pursue those goals. And then we have more resources that like we can go online and look up the information we need. Or we have different programs, webinars, seminars that we can go to to get the information we need to actually turn these hobbies into businesses. So it's allowing us to catapult ourselves beyond where we were able to go before. Wow. So, uh, with what Tamir awesome. said and, and they're all together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a curious guy. I, you know, I'm, I'm 
going through Black Enterprise, I come across this nice article about the two of you. And uh, I have six sisters. Uh, none of them have, have uh, uh, followed in the entrepreneurial lane that you two are striving for women to pursue. But they're, you know, but they're, they're my sisters, you know, and they're African-Americans. And, and when I see women stepping beyond the norm, the norm is when I say that not a stay at home mom, the norm is not just a 40 hour week job that may include overtime, but saying, hey, I trust my natural instinct. I have a plan of action. I can go out there. I can get a loan. If you won't give me a loan, I'm going to figure out a way to pursue my dreams and my aspirations and build this brand. That's a lot of work. Why? And when I read that since 2017, you two have been responsible for over 56 mom owned businesses lunch. Talk to me about that. That's a that's a that's that's a a champion right there. That's a champion talking about a champion of the community. I'm well, talking to ladies. Well, we need to um, edit that statistic a little bit because since 2017, it's been over about 110. Okay, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. All I get is stuff from my from I, I, people send me stuff. I pull it out. And I put it on here. Okay. So what you're not gonna do, Jasmine? What you ain't gonna do is come on my show and act you know, like I'm just selling bad information. Now, if you say it's over 100, you know I heard you say it. Earlier, I heard you say it the first time. Uh -huh. And bitch your tongue, and bitch your tongue, and then she gonna go. I gotta stop this brother. This brother spread out bad news about you know us. <laughs> us, you work too hard to build us. You know, so how many is that number right there? So I can re-promote that. How, what's that number? It's not fifty-six. What is it? It's a over hundred and ten now. A one one yeah, zero. So. Okay. See, I was so fifty six is remarkable by itself, mm -hmm. but we've been able to take it even further, almost double it because okay. we actually were able to run a second academy when we started with one. L let me fix this. Since 2017, <laughs> they have launched over 110 mom-owned businesses. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, Dr. Tamira Lucas and Ms. Jasmine Sims. <laughs> See, that's how we well, do it on Money Making Conversation. That that's, that's how we do it on Money Making <laughs> Conversation. We in the business of being accurate, being right. You know, so when this when this airs on podcast and all my platform, we're going to promote exactly the success story that you guys are putting out there. Now, the interesting thing about it, see, all I do is go on your I go on your website. I pull information that says, Dr. Lucas, you're a trailblazer among professionals and a powerful voice for moms teaching business balance and babies. Co-founder of the Cube Cowork, Maryland's first and only co-working space that provides babysitting services. Then Miss Sims, salon consultant, industry expert with over 12 years of beauty and hospitality experience. Am I is that correct? Just want to make sure. That is correct. It's 17. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, I, I can handle one of you guys on there, but two of y'all, mm -mm. we're we going to get this straight moving forward. <laughs> so let's talk about this uh, co-founder of the Cube Cowork because the thing about it is going on with the pandemic, you know, they, they, you know, states have been shut down. They're starting to reopen. And guess what? Some people are going to go back to reopen to no jobs. And then and then some people are being called back to work and, and child care centers are not even open or they're starting to reopen. So how can you go back to work? If you, you have no place to, to deliver your child to be taken care of while you're working. So when you talk about it, uh, uh, the Cube co-work, Tell me how it's being affected now, effective now, affected now with the pandemic, and how does it actually work? So, 
We created the Cube Cowork, uh, my sister and myself, as a space. Jasmine and I would train these moms. Uh, we would come in contact with other mom entrepreneurs that um, started mm-hmm. businesses, but they could they were struggling with balancing their families and, and their kids. And co-working is a cool um, industry to be in. It's a cool um, idea, innovative idea of working in a space with complete strangers, but being able to network and grow, which we all need to grow our businesses. But when you add, uh, when you think about childcare costs, you can buy a Toyota, at least a Toyota Corolla every single year for the amount that you'll pay in um, childcare fees, right? Mm. So I, we had to think about, well, how are these moms that are living below the poverty level, starting businesses, going to be able to afford childcare? And I created the co-working space that has babysitting services inside of it so that one, moms or dads, because we have both parents, um, can focus on their work, but not only can they focus on their work, but they can also not have the burden of high childcare costs because of how our fee is structured. Right. Now, before we were fully, um, we had our membership was pretty much full because of the babysitting aspect. Um, that fills up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. However, um, there, you know, there was still a lot of businesses that were working inside of their tra- traditional office space. Well, places like Facebook and Twitter, these companies are now giving an option for, for parent, I mean, for um, their workers to work from home. And I feel that this will be the trend in the, in the industry of um, those type of companies or companies period saying, Hey, you can work from home. And now that childcare part is going to be um, critical. So working in, in a space where you can come in and get, four hours of uninterrupted or three hours of uninterrupted work done. And then you can like do whatever else you need to do for the rest of the day is going to be kind of ideal. So right now, although we're not open physically, we've created a model that will help us sustain over time, um, hopefully, but uh, we can anticipate that we're going to have a large number of people knocking or parents knocking at our door to utilize our services because we know that business is not going to be as usual once everything re- finally reopens. Absolutely. This uh, pandemic has shown like Twitter made an announcement that, hey, stay at home. Work at work remote, which is going to have an effect mm-hmm. on real estate, office real estate in the future, because that's the one industry that has a lot of uncertainty. As we spoke about uh, moms as entrepreneurs, um, an area of uh, growth that's exploding out there in the entrepreneurial world. That's one of the reasons why I'm motivated to start. One of the reasons I was motivated to start money making conversation just to provide information, free information and bring what I feel in individuals like uh Dr. Lucas and Miss Sam is on the show just to share their stories and hopefully they can you can you can get some nuggets of information on how they're doing and how they're applying their their lanes because when you are when you're an entrepreneur, there are no consistent days of saying it's gonna be done this way every day. It changes every day. You have to be prepared for that change and you cannot be frustrated by that change. What you can do is plan for change, and as you plan for change, then you can overcome the obstacles that may frustrate you. Um, on the phone is Ms. Jasmine Sim. Uh, I read earlier, salon consultant, industry expert in the beauty arena, uh, with over 12 years of experience in the beauty and the hospitality experience. We know what's enduring, uh, what's happening in this country uh, with the pandemic, especially in the African-American community, where we are uh, uh, overtly affected by the uh, COVID-19 virus. How is the uh, 
in the Maryland area, how is it being happened? And uh, people coming to you at advice, and what advice are you giving them? Um, my advice is be patient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, everyone's so ready to either reopen or just to go get their hair and nails done. And, you know, there are ways to take care of those things yourself at home in the meantime. The health of your hair, the health of your skin, the health of your nails is most important. Mm-hmm. But also the health of you as an individual, because if you are dead, you cannot get your hair and nails done again mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. you buy a mortician. Mm-hmm. So stay in the house, mm-hmm. follow your state mm-hmm. regulations or your county regulations, and follow your state board of cosmetology or your barber's board, follow the regulations right. that are set in place for you. So you're saying that uh, don't put beauty ahead of uh, safety. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, a lot of people, like I said, I, I talked to my uh, my younger brother. He uh, I, he showed me photos. He showed me a video showing how he's had to put uh, shower curtains, clear shower curtains in between each stall uh, in his barber salon. Mm-hmm. He's removed all the chairs out of his barber salon and everything's by appointment only. He's had to go out and buy, he's bought goggles, he's bought masks. Of course, he has hand sanitizer. He has Lysol spray. And the problem with that is that that was not part of his budget. That has suddenly mm-hmm. become part exactly. of his budget. And so when you have uh, in this pandemic world that we're living in and you have women or moms trying to break into the entrepreneurial space, it's a different model now, correct? Right, it is. You know, when when we got noticed that the, the city and the state was starting to shut down, right. we had to begin to get creative. So in our business, I have a hair salon and a nail salon. Mm-hmm. We began to sell off the inventory that we have in stock to create at-home kits mm. to sell to our clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... That was one way to continue some revenue um, generation. Right, right, right. So, and and also, we are membership-based. So that was another way to make sure that when things are slow or things like this happen, we have a way to kind of maintain our brand and keep ourselves in the forefront even when, you know, we may not be able to operate. That can keep us alive during this time as well. Right, right. So as as uh, as, as Zoom has the as the um has the social media world been important during this time, and how do you use the social media to promote your brand? You know, mom as entrepreneurs, and Dr. Lucas, it could be you, Miss Jasmine Smith, it could be you responding, or both of you guys can respond. Because my whole thing is that I know this is a joint effort to you know guys uh, use y'all different ways of thinking, like you stated earlier, which makes this uh this partnership work, and um. Uh, I go with you first, Dr. Lucas. So Jasmine and I have definitely um, gotten very creative collectively and individually for our businesses and ensuring that all of our brands that we have, whether it's moms as entrepreneurs or our personal brands, mm-hmm. are are continue to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really u- utilize those platforms to really tell the story, but also share the resources and the, and the things that, uh, we knew that most entrepreneurs needed at this time. So within a week of um, COVID-19 hitting, right. um, Jasmine and I were immediately sharing um, advice, resources, and anything anything that we that we were able to access or even have a knowledge of. Mm-hmm. We was immediately using um, those platforms to share that information. 
So I know I, I strongly, I had so many beauty experts as a business consultant. I mm-hmm. worked with all types of entrepreneurs. Right. And I had a lot of um, beauty and beauty entrepreneurs in the beauty industry, a lot of mom entrepreneurs in the beauty industry mm-hmm. reach out and say, well, what am I supposed to do? And quickly, you know, giving them advice on how to pivot in their business so that they can sustain. Because a, a lot of times, well, the resources that were the funding, the relief programs that originally went out for COVID-19 did not support those type of entrepreneurs. They didn't support the beauty industry entrepreneurs that may not be taking a paycheck or have contractors and do not have employees. So giving them education and support on how to pivot their business so that they are still generating some type of income Mm -hmm. um, was extremely important. And also what did we have available um, from a mom's as entrepreneur's perspective? So we immediately, our workshops, while um, Academy is normally face-to-face, and we do that um, specifically face-to-face so that we can have the sole attention of the parent, I mean, of the mom, as they're working towards starting their business, we had to pivot that online. Um, that online virtual Academy started March, I mean, I'm sorry, May 18th. Right. Um, and then we also created this fund because we knew that a lot of mom entrepreneurs, a lot of black mom entrepreneurs were pushed out of the re- relief efforts. So we knew that, okay, we don't have millions of dollars, but we know that we have a network that could possibly donate into a fund mm-hmm. to help us support the mom-owned businesses that are across the country that are suffering every day. We're, we're always overlooked. We're mm-hmm. always grouped into women-owned businesses. We are women, but we are moms, and that's totally different. The um, the the um, investment that I make is solely contingent on the impact that it's going to have on my child or on my family. And if you are a mom, if you are a woman without kids, you can take a much greater risk in starting something or investing in something because you only have yourself to worry about. So that was on the forefront of Jasmine and I mind of like, how do we support these moms? We're moms. Um, we have a great support system. We support one another. We have a, a really good support system. Um, I'll say collectively, but that's not the case for a lot of moms, especially in Baltimore. We're, we're in Baltimore where most of the households are ran by single mothers. So if we want to continue to keep crime down, if we want to continue to um, have our economy operating um, in a decent factor, we need to make sure that these moms have what they need financially to sustain their businesses. I know out of the two who can talk now, Dr. Lucas, you can talk. <laughs> you almost ate up all of Poe Jasmine's time. I'm sorry. I'm she, sorry. She was on a roll. She <laughs> slid all into all the beauty. She slid all into the beauty side of the conversation. She was rocking and rolling there. I was like, hey, she got right, right down. One of our credits is motivational speaker because she can speak. <laughs> that is all right. Oh, we my are team for a reason. I know that's right. But let, let's talk a little bit about Miss <laughs> Jasmine. Uh, what is the most rewarding part about being a philanthropist? Because I do see the uh, on the cover of your website. I went there and it talks about you know you have twenty six contributors. Moms give life. Moms give community. Hashtag Giving Tuesday. It's a you know over a thousand dollars been raised so far. Uh, I'm a contributor to that. So my name will pop up in there this week. Um, Thank you. Thank you. What I love to be able to do, I have a newsletter. It goes out every Friday on time. 
at, at uh, <laughs> 9 a.m. to 90,000 fan club members. I'd love to put a uh, this video or some type of uh, banner in telling your story, your your organizational story, moms and entrepreneurs, and see if we can get some more contributions. Is that cool? We That's love beautiful. that. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. It's just beautiful. Just beautiful. Thank just thank beautiful. You. Jasmine, you know, I, I know you don't have much time left because you know your business partner can talk. You know, yeah. as, as my mama says, talk a talk a head off of a dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 Poor dog be barking. Next thing you know, where's head go? Well, you know, Doctor Lucas was talking. <laughs> about being philanthropic is just the success that we get to see from the minds that we support. Right. And ultimately that keeps that keeps me going. When when it gets hard in my business or in the things that I'm doing, I can't like, I can't quit. Because mm-hmm. I have this team of other women who have looked up to me in Tamira and have said, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. Right. So if I quit or if Tamira decides to quit, does that mean it's okay for them to quit? And we don't believe that. So for me, just seeing that the the work they're able to put in, the the self motivation that they they've been able to develop, because a lot of them start out very discouraged and believing that this is not something that they can do. But someone told them about this program and said, maybe you should give it a shot. You're very talented. You're very skilled. It's time for you to put that in motion. And so just seeing these women just grow and build their businesses and become successful, that's the most important part. Well, you know, uh, I, I've seen uh, organizations like 100 Black Men, uh, you know, uh, NAACP, uh, National Urban League, you know, start in one location and then becoming affiliates throughout this country. What is, what is the future of uh, your organization, um, Moms as Entrepreneurs, as far as a national platform? So it's funny because COVID has allowed us that opportunity to go national as we always um, envision mm-hmm. to do so. So right. now that we have this um, fund, it's not just a fund for moms in Baltimore to access, but it's a fund that anyone, any mom in the United States could access and also our virtual academy. So it, it, it pushed us to really step out there and get out to the world and to the, the United States. And so now we are a national organization. That's a beautiful thing. I, I'm speaking to uh, my friends. I'm gonna call them my friends now. You know, we've laughed. Uh, they've, I've been corrected on the air. You know, on my own show. You know, uh, that's how bold they are. What you what you not gonna do is run over these two moms, okay? They gonna, they, they, they'll be polite, but they are gonna pull you to the side. But see, they couldn't pull me to the side on the radio. You gotta tell somebody that's wrong. Right? That wrong number's wrong right there. We have launched over 110 mom-owned businesses since we, in 2017, we launched Moms as Entrepreneurs. I want to thank uh, Dr. Tamira Lucas and uh, Ms. Jasmine Sims for coming on this show. And I want to thank you, you know, like I said, when I saw the article in Black Enterprise, I, I, I was motivated to contact you too. And I was, and thank you for taking the time to come on Money Making Conversation and share part of your story. Again, I want to reach out to you, Samantha, my executive producer of the show, to get some banners so we can put in the newsletter because you have a cause of trying to generate revenue. I went through the uh, the payroll protection program and it's not set up for independent um, in, uh, 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 entrepreneurs. It's not, you know, uh, the, that's the reason why the average loan in the second go round is only 70, 79,000 loans distributed versus the first go round 
when they were just passing out checks like they were free money. So again, thank you for coming on the show and uh, we'll stay in touch. Is that good? Yes, absolutely. Appreciate it. If you want to hear more money making conversations, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. <laughs>